We'll preview preseason game number three against the Boston Celtics. Did the Hornets learn their lesson from the first time around? And then we'll talk about some MJ interesting tidbits. Could he sell the team? Are the Hornets actually even the worst team in the Eastern Conference, according to Bill Simmons? We'll get to all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Doug Branson LOH. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. By the way, speaking of YouTube, there's this one comment that keeps coming in from James Herbert, who seems to be really um, Mm -hmm. worried about my fish. And mm-hmm. he asked if they all died. Well, we haven't seen and, the fish in a while. That's the you right. used to because you changed your recording location, and the fish used to be behind you. I think mm-hmm. I think we underestimated the affection that some of our fans had for your fish, uh, which it was was not Michael Kidd goldfish. Right, it was that was the old fish. That fish did die. <laughs> the fish did. R.I.P. Dude, it's still touchy, well, but R.I.P. Oh, that was sorry, that was. Bad. <laughs> That was when I was a novice. No, it's okay. Um, no, but now this one is uh, Shark Williams is, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. name that we settled on. There was a lot. So Shark so Williams, good. Shark Williams is okay. All, all of them are great. Shark great. Williams, the whole gang. So they're doing well. Um, <laughs> they're still in the kitchen and cre- creating a Zen scene. The only there was one fish that died because I didn't get Ooh. a lid on it in time Yikes. and it jumped out. One, oh my one. gosh! Yeah, I know. For, wow! I, you you have to you have to really take a look at yourself when Kamikaze the you created yeah wasn't wasn't suitable for yeah of course it w- it was real morbid too my my little baby beagle had something in its mouth and sure oh, enough it was a tetra oh, yeah no. we're uh, living in the jungle over oh. here but that was the only fish it was just because I didn't have a lid so everybody else is doing great I've added more fish so it's all doing well um anyways you ready to talk some hornets you know yeah yeah <laughs> I mean your fish seem to be doing better than the hornets right now uh looks like uh Gordon Hayward Cody Martin uh Dennis Smith Jr all doubtful yeah. for this game so far I, my hopes aren't high that they play in this game against Boston in the Greensboro Coliseum baby yeah, well, yeah. There's the the game that was announced, and they've been doing this a little bit. I believe they played in Greensboro against the Celtics the first time around too. That they did this. Um, maybe I'm. I was at one that. of those. I, okay. I, it was a few years ago. I was at one of the games that they played against Boston in the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah, there you go. Um, so happening again, and it's the, the the second time around this preseason because they just got beat down the first preseason game that they played. You heard Mason Plumley talk about it um, leading up to this one, saying, hopefully we learned from our mistakes. It's nice to see them the first time around, and hopefully everything will go well this time. Um, you know, Mason also trying to lift our spirits by saying he'd be a lot more worried about this team if practices weren't going very well, but they are. We're going to figure it out. Everything is going to be fine. So in order for everything to be fine, Doug, what are some things you're looking at in preseason game number three? Well, just their effort. I mean, you know, it's not about winning against Boston. Boston has come into this preseason, despite losing their head coach, um, they have come into this preseason extremely locked in. They're shooting the basketball very well. They push the pace extremely well. They challenge your defense at every turn. And this is a defense for the Charlotte Hornets that, that can't seem to rise up to any kind of challenge. They're not running back. I mean, that's, you know, defensively, that's that's been the 
the huge thing. You have to you have to remember that against Indiana in this uh, previous blowout, uh, Indiana wasn't even shooting the basketball that well. I, I think they ended the first half one of thirteen from three. Uh, and, and still you were down double digits because you simply weren't running back. I actually have some stats here to show you, some stats for your face if you want them for this Indiana game. This is from cleaning, from cleaning the glass. This is the transition stats from that game, okay? This is really interesting. Indiana's points per possession on all transition was positive 6.5. That's at the 78th percentile in the NBA. But their frequency was way lower than Charlotte's in the game, meaning Charlotte was pushing the pace more than Indiana, but their effectiveness doing so, A, was bad, and B, they were allowing 130 points per play on transition. So, so Charlotte, real quickly, yeah. totally matches the eye test, right? Right. Not watching that game against the Pacers, all of the missed opportunities, uh, all of the times that the Pacers, when they did get in transition, the Hornets didn't get back and they would allow some points. And I it just, it, it feels, t- it, it matches the eye test from what you saw against Indiana. Well, and th- this actually tells you a couple of things. It tells you some things defensively and some things offensively. So defensively, obviously, they're not running back off live rebounds, points per play for Indiana. Again, they weren't doing it a lot, but when they were doing it, 110 points per play. It's way too high. And then offensively, you can see that Charlotte was great at pushing the pace off live rebounds, 51.5% in, in, in those situations, pushing it in transition. But their points per play were 88.2. The offense cannot score on these transition opportunities. They're extremely disorganized. And you add to that what you can't see in this graphic is that they're not pushing the pace offensively enough when uh, the other team makes. Um, so, And that's what Steve Clifford has been pressing as well. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a disaster in transition, and they have to clean it up. Yeah, off live rebounds. It's all about the efficiency for the opposing team. Even if it doesn't happen often, when that when it does happen, they're scoring. They were scoring quite a bit in right. Indiana's case, at least. And the other thing I look at too is speaking of off live rebounds. One of the things that Steve Clifford talked about at that coaches' luncheon a couple of weeks ago is one of the areas of improvement this team had was off of made shots they weren't getting in transition fast enough off of live rebounds he was very pleased with what they did last year that that was the time that they would really capitalize and hurt the opponent but when somebody made a shot it's they didn't get in transition enough they weren't taking the ball out fast enough they weren't getting back fast enough so that was something that steve clifford made mention of at the coaches luncheon and here it is hopefully this is small sample size theater and you can get get more you know once you're 10, 15 games in, things start to settle down a little bit. But it, when you get beat down by 70 points in two combined games, um, it, it's rough and things need to change pretty damn quickly. Because, man, if they can you imagine if they get beat by 20 or more in this next one, Doug? I, the, the expectations, the morale... It's going to be so damn low, and it's already pretty damn low after the offseason. And you might be asking yourself, well, why do they need to run on makes? Why do they need to to push the pace offensively at at every point? And Steve Clifford has said this. This team has been built to run. Now, now what does he mean by that? I I think what he means by that is that this team is uh, a little slight physically, uh, but they're fast. They're, they're just built for speed, not for, you know, really slowing things down in the half court and trying to muscle their way to the rim. And and I think it means you only have really one legitimate star on this team. 
and, and I think you're going to have a difficult time moving defenses in the half court, and we've seen that so far in the first couple of preseason games. If you get bogged down into half court offense for a vast majority of this game, you're not going to score a lot of points if you're the Charlotte Hornets. So that's, I think that's what he means. That's what I'm seeing. Um, and the Hornets need to push the pace if they're going to score high offensively. Last thing in segment one, Doug. Uh, no Hayward. No, well, doubtful for Hayward. Doubt for, doubtful for Cody Martin as well as Dennis Smith Jr. As you mentioned, Hornets plus nine, according to our friends at Bet Online. Ouch! I that's force the highest, you to take. I, I that's force the highest to, line. It, it's not good. Yes, I force you to choose a side. Which one are you choosing with the Hornets uh, as nine point dogs? I'm never betting the Hornets in preseason. I'm just not doing it. I, like I don't. I don't know. It's probably good. It's probably a good rule. Like I have a feeling they're going. They they have to bounce back at some point. Uh, I I don't necessarily know if it's going to be against Boston, which again I've said that Boston's extremely locked in. So I wouldn't bet this at all. I, I think this has the potential to be another blowout. Uh, but even if it's not, I think the Celtics can easily win this game by ten points. If it's ten, eleven, twelve, if that's the margin, even if it feels close at some points, I I think eventually, uh, you know, the Boston has depth. Uh, that is going to overwhelm uh, a team in Charlotte that really does not have a ton of depth. No Gordon and no Cody. If that's the case, then that's case enough for me to choose the Celtics anyway. Plus Boston's good and the Hornets aren't nearly on that level. And then the Hornets are going to be down a couple of guys that are going to be very much a part of the rotation. That alone is going to make me say, nope, I'm going to take the Celtics if that, uh, that plus nine holds. All right, coming up next, Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll see if we get some lineup changes because it hasn't been necessarily working for Steve Clifford. And so what does he want to do differently in this game against the Celtics? We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before we talk about Bet Online. It's your number one source for football betting info this season, and you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, too, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing. You can even bet on golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Lineup looks coming up next. Locked on Hornets. Is Locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. What year was that? That bump was that? I think that was like the Jalen McDaniels rookie year because I think that was one of the players they were doing that with, right? Yeah, probably probably 18, 19. Yeah. Those are the years where you had some hope. Those those were the days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still, and, and, they're still trying to load. They're trying to load manage Gordon Hayward. So I think it's part of why he's out. They're being precautionary about it. But it's having you know the ripple effects that that decision of holding Hayward and Martin out to be careful in preseason. Like it, it, one part of you understands that that you don't want to have a long term injury in preseason because you pushed it. But another part of you, I think, says, hey. If, if we can't see Hayward and Martin, if we can't get a really decent look at what this team is going to be in preseason, especially with a new coach, mm-hmm. then I think it's going to be difficult for them to get off to any kind of good start. 
Yeah, I agree. By the way, I think it was 1920 more so that there were good old days because we had LaMelo as the rookie. Before that, it was still pretty bleak. And then they got LaMelo. They got and that was that was the good. That was a good time with the Hornets. Well, it's a year 2019, 2020. Yeah, 1920. Uh, not not a not a great time. Gil, I think that that's that's going to be, you know, you're you're pressing on the Great Depression, uh, a little post-World War One kind of deal. Yeah, not True. those weren't the good old days. Yeah, we were we were close. We were getting there. So yeah, very great distinction. I'm glad I didn't want people to get it misconstrued, right? I was not talking about how the good old days were during the Great Depression. I was just talking about it during LaMelo Ball's rookie season. I'm glad you cleared that up. Thank you very much, Doug. You were looking at some of the roster moves um, and putting them here, talking about Isaiah Whaley is released from the Charlotte Hornets now, no longer part of the roster. They do sign Xavier Sneed, though, and that was somebody that's been familiar with the organization. He's been in Hornets training camp in previous seasons uh i think summer league two so um xavier sneed being a part of this team once again those are just a couple of updates on the hornets roster and some of the moves that they made steve clifford though doug you want to get to some of the comments here on the lineups and i know you have his audio not going to play it but you heard his audio about what he needs to do and how he needs to rethink the lineup breaks what did you hear from clifford in that soundbite well, yeah, I mean that—that's it. He just—he's—he's he's considering making some changes to some of these lineup breaks because when the the we have to we have to kind of pause for a second and recognize that despite getting blown out in both of these preseason games, the starters have carried themselves decently well. Not—I not, don't think good enough, but but the starting unit without Gordon Hayward has been able to keep pace. They kept pace early in that Boston game. They almost got the team back into the game against Indiana in the second half. So the starters have played well. But it's when the the lineup breaks and they go to either LaMelo and four bench players or Terry Rozier and four bench players that that they just get absolutely eviscerated. Because I'm not talking about the late later part of the game when it's all like G-leaguers and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that first look at the bench in the middle of the first quarter and then in the se- and early in the second half and, and early in the second quarter. So th- th- at those points, that's when the Hornets have been getting absolutely dominated. I think Clifford, I, I, again, I understand that early in the preseason, you want to get a look, a look at as many of these bench guys that are, you're going to have to figure out where they fit in the rotation. You want to get a good look. I understand that. You also probably don't want to wear out your starters by going to sort of a regular season rotation too early. I understand all that. But at some point, you know, these these precautionary decisions that you're making, I think, are are causing these blowouts and leading to confidence leaks that could have ramifications early in the regular season. And I think there has to be a correction made. And I think it's got to start tonight. Well, yeah. And, and so it's it's tough because on one hand. I saw some people on my timeline tweeting, this is the time to get these mistakes out of the way. This is the time for experimentation. When you lose by 40 and 30, it's a little harder to swallow. If you were losing by even 20 and 15, still double-digit losses, still clear beatdowns, but not ultimate, oh my God, what are you doing beatdowns out there? So maybe it would be a little bit more palatable to see Book Knight handling the basketball with Mello on the bench, and then we could come around to that idea of experimentation. At some point, though, how much are those players and their development is that getting hurt because basketball yeah. just looks awful anyway? Because it, this is not a real setting in which you can evaluate talent. And I go back to Caitlin Cooper's tweet, um, a part of the Indiana Pacers beat, just saying, hey, this is a team in the Pacers right now 
playing considerably harder than the Hornets, and that makes everything really difficult to analyze. And it's true. Effort effort needs to happen regardless of whatever lineup you're putting out there, and that's kind of unfortunate. I know it's preseason, but she's right. It's hard for us to analyze what we truly could take away from this and apply it to the regular season if it's good. Um, but, yeah, I, I book night, you kind of want to experiment bringing the ball up a little bit. But man, it was it's been bad so far. I actually think Terry's not been awful as the no. ball handler. Um he's 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 not he's not a guy that I want to be as the backup point guard, right? But he's given the situation, he's actually played better as backup point guard than I've seen before. I mean, he was doing everything he could with McConnell in his grill, you know. He was yeah. at, getting some screens and then actually hit like a shot when he drove right baseline. It's still just really tough, man. Well, it's the mellow bench minutes that are going to be really hard to navigate. Yeah, I, well, I think Terry needs some rest. I mean, I think, you know, some of the... He so played 30 minutes sh- in this past game. <laughs> yeah, I know. So many of these... Well, they're, and they're going to get a little bit of rest before the regular season. So oh, so hopefully, Terry, take it easy, man. Because some of these shots are coming up way, 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 way short. But I think Terry's going to be fine. I think is going to be fine. It's, it's really like... You know, James Booknight has played poorly in this preseason, but I don't think he's been given like the most legitimate shot because like when you're playing out there with JT Thor, who defenses are not going to respect, Jalen McDaniels, who's played well, but defenses still are not going to adjust to, Nick Richards, when you're out there with all these cats against legitimate NBA rotations because the other teams aren't doing this, they're not throwing these full bench lineups out there, they're putting one or two starters on the floor or or multiple starters on the floor. And that's really what I'm asking for here is, okay, if you're going to put Mello and bench unit, how about we throw P.J. Washington in there for a few minutes? You know, and and once Gordon comes back, maybe some mellow Gordon lineups with some of these bench, somebody that can can garner some attention for the defense can also execute offensively. You know, just simple pass plays that can open things up so that you don't have these situations where James Booknight is going one on one, head down, head first into a defender and getting stripped. Yeah, like can can you go mellow book night in the backcourt and then just assemble? You know, maybe you go McDaniel's at the three, PJ at the four. Uh, and, you know, when Gordon Hayward's back, we can talk about putting him out there, too. But just right now, I mean, I, I assume he's not going to play just based off the what we've seen the first two games. It, right. Not let, let's not go JT Thor and put him out there in exchange for P.J. Washington. Let's not, you know, put uh, I mean, even Kelly Oubre, to be honest with you, I, I just that that's not a guy that I think brings out the best in other players. And that's what you're kind of looking for with some of these younger guys looking to get their feet wet um, and even more so because remember book night still very young and does not have a whole lot of games under his belt because he didn't play a lot last year we'll see what can happen against the Boston Celtics in game number three happening tonight in Greensboro too so uh Greensboro Coliseum will be cool to see them play the Celtics over and there. it's on Valley Sports you can watch it on TV what a concert. yeah there you go um you could also listen to it on WFNZ as always if you want to so there you go sure. nice little plug there feels weird by the way to use that as a plug um all right coming up next Lockdown Hornets podcast don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet Listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, he had an interesting quote, are we sure, with the Charlotte Hornets. And also, we kind of just went around the MJ rumor that he spit out there the other day. I want to talk about that. Let's go back in time and focus a little more on Bill Simmons' comments coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Is Locked on Hornets. All right, so so we've got Al, or we've got the question, how? Like, how did Miles do that? Can you help us end this debate with so much an unbelievable amount on the line 
Uh, Doug, I respected in the nth degree, uh, but Walker, I'm telling you, it was just it came. It, ah. Every single person who saw that reacted that way. Some of us just were tight, or That's right. tighter than others, and I just had to release this from my body. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Before we get to Bill Simmons' comments on the Hornets in the last few podcasts he's released to the world, I want to tell you about some awesome things we're about to undergo. And really, when I say us, it's Doug working hard on this. As always, Doug is the man, every Hornets box score. You can check it out, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And he's going to allow us to indulge some of his excellent content. He's going to be helping out not only with every Hornets box score, but also Locked On Hornets. Doug, what's on tap, man? Well, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, Walker, but like game streaming is kind of big right now. It's having a moment. Maybe it's been having a moment for a long time, uh, but I've been getting an itch. I've been wanting to get in on the action. And what finally put me, I, I've been thinking about, you know, upgrading my systems, uh, you know, the Xbox, maybe getting the Xbox Series X. I know it's a little tough to find, but I've been looking for a reason to do it. And I finally found my reason. And it's every Hornets box score where we've been going back to the future, back into the Hornets' past um, to try to discover some things about our franchise that maybe we didn't know. And uh, NBA 2K is doing something exciting where they have this new mode called My NBA Eras for these new systems where you can go back in time uh, to 1992 and um, experience teams you know, in, 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 their, in that current iteration and then change them. And so I had this idea, well, why don't I go back to 1992, get in the, hop in the time machine, and try to save the Hornets from moving to New Orleans, <laughs> the thing that devastated me as, as, a, as a young man uh, and, and as a young fan um, and, and really sort of uh, made me lose my NBA fandom for a few years until the Bobcats came back. So I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do it on every Hornets box score. We've got a YouTube channel now. It's actually the old Hive Talk Live channel, so you may already be subscribed to it if you're a longtime listener or viewer of the show. Uh, but I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this episode. There's a link right now on everyhornetsboxscore.com on the pinned post. Uh, so I'm going to be testing some stuff out, hopefully this weekend into next week. And I also want to do this, you know, game previews. Uh, maybe fire up 2K and do some uh, live stream game previews here on Locked On <laughs> Hornets YouTube channel. So I don't know. There's a lot of experimentation going to happen this year. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel if you're into that kind of thing. It's you know I just want it to be kind of a chill, relaxed kind of thing where I'm streaming a game, talking about the Hornets. Should be a good time. I don't know if we still have some of the notes and results from the alternate Hornets universe. Remember we did that. You played 2K, and I think that was on the Nintendo Switch. I think you yep. played. 2k yep. but now you're going the the last gaming console i had was a ps3 wow. i didn't even get it yeah i know <laughs> i got i got it when it first came out that was like All 2008 right. and had nba live 08 with gilbert arenas on the cover and, th and that was like the last real game I played hardcore. Now, all my buddies had PS4s and eventually PS5s. And so I'll still play video games every once in a while, or I used to. But that's the last gaming console I had. So, yeah, I just never, never. Uh, I'll just out just outing yourself as, as someone who uh, is is not hip with the times. I know, you're younger I, than I, me. That's crazy. I know. I know. I know. It's been very What, what have you been doing? I, like focusing on your career? What a loser. I, I, I know. And that's not even going well. So I don't even understand why I've been doing that. <laughs> So, hey, you're stuck here with me. What <laughs> look, look what I'm doing. I'm doing locked on Hornets, man. You know, I'm, this is I'm stuck. I can't get out. Help me, you know. But get me in the alternate universe, please. Let's see how it plays out in that. Um, speaking of alternate.
alternate universe is, man. We, I think a lot of fans have lived in that type of hypothetical setting to see if Michael Jordan would sell the team and if the Hornets would be good because of it. A lot of MJ shaming as an owner because he's so competitive as a player. He's not been good as an owner with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, well, you might get your wish based off of what we heard from Bill Simmons. I know we're kind of reviving this. I know maybe it would have been a couple of weeks ago as the time to talk about it, where we were talking about preseason. Honestly, Doug went on vacation. I was in and out of doing WFNZ shows. It was a weird time. But if Bill Simmons on, on his podcast a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure a lot of you have heard by now, when he was discussing the Robert Sarver situation, Sarver eventually was forced, you know, not forced, decided to, and then kind of forced, right, to sell his franchise with the Phoenix Suns, and it's probably going to go for a lot of money. Well, I mean, like, even more than you think, right? It's definitely going to go for billions of dollars, but is it going to go for three, three and a half, or all the way up to five, which would be crazy? And that was Bill Simmons' point, that we're going to get to what you think is absolutely outlandish, that it's going to surpass that because of the way that these NBA teams are valued. And, and Phoenix is a great market in the NBA. And so when he was talking about that, he was discussing Robert Sarver. And then he said, you know, you're going to have Charlotte that becomes available and said it in passing, said it as if it was a fact that everybody kind of knew and then just moved on. You know, I went back and tried to dissect that a little more because the, the context I already explained, and then he moves on and said, you're going to have Charlotte that becomes available. You know, who knows what that's going to be for? You know, who, who knows how much money that would bring in MJ? And I don't know if Bill Simmons was going with just some kind of podcast and radio fodder, like when you say something as if it's a fact, but like you, you kind of understand everybody else knows it hasn't happened yet, if that makes sense. You know, when I say Gordon Hayward missed 20 shots, I he maybe didn't, you know, but he missed 13. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he missed right. a lot of shots. So then I just over exaggerate a little. I, I don't know if that's what's happening with Bill Simmons or if he knows because he knows as much as anybody on the inner workings of the NBA, especially here in the higher ups on what might happen. But that was weird. It was weird how it was kind of dropped. So matter of fact, so quickly. And then he moves on. That's a big damn deal. A lot of people have been wishing for this a long time, Doug. What did you make of those comments from Bill Simmons? Yeah, well, I mean, look, Bill Simmons is somebody that's in the know. Uh, I, I'm sure he doesn't know for sure one way or the other. I'm sure it's a combination of sort of whispers around the league and mixed with a little bit of educated uh, guessing. Or, you know, I mean, you see Michael Jordan uh, selling a portion of the team several years ago to to a couple of New York hedge fund managers. Who were, by the way, in that whole GameStop thing, right? I think like they, one of they them took was. a beating. Yeah. I think they yeah. took a beating in the <laughs> short right. squeeze on the GameStop deal. Um, so, you know, how, you know, we don't know what the financials look like of this ownership group and how healthy it is. And, and I mean, I think we can take a guess that this isn't. Uh, that the Charlotte and I don't even think we have to take a guess. We've seen in, in recent revelations on, you know, some of these CBA negotiations that the Hornets are not necessarily like a money maker, um, or at least they're declaring losses. So you, you kind of take all of that and, and then you make an educated guess. What, what I would say is a couple of things. One, we can't we can't underestimate, though, Michael Jordan's influence in the NBA and, and maybe his desire to continue to be influential in the NBA in terms of CBA negotiations. You, you get that when you're an owner of one of the franchises. But when you're you know, you if you go from owner to ambassador, 
I think, you know, the amount of power that you have to influence certain decisions in the NBA uh, will diminish pretty significantly. And, and I wonder, you know, what kind of how, how much that will determine Michael Jordan's uh, decision to relinquish an ownership, a major, a majority ownership stake. That's number one. Number two, I would tell fans that are hoping that Michael Jordan sells a team is just be careful what you wish for. A lot of whispers right now about the desire to get basketball back into Seattle. Even uh, not even whispers out loud. People saying, "Hey, we want a team in Las Vegas." That's going to happen. LeBron's probably going to take an ownership stake of it, and so. And I'm sure LeBron would just love to buy Michael Jordan's team and make it better. I mean, oh right? I mean, that God. would just wouldn't oh that just God. like please LeBron? I mean, that, maybe Jordan wouldn't even do it just out of spite. But like, all, but so be careful what you wish for because it's not. You know, I think Phoenix is locked in. Like that's Phoenix is a great market, and they've proven that they're a great market. Oh, yeah. Charlotte. And it's not entirely Charlotte's fault because of everything that happened around the first move of the franchise. But Charlotte's not out there proving that it's like a, a, a just guaranteed money-making market. Uh, so, you know, I would just say be careful what you wish for. Well, and the other thing, too, uh, yeah, Michael Jordan, it's it's not gone well on the court under him. But, you know, the philanthropy under him, especially with how this team has been tied to the community and their inner workings of how to make the community better, that has gone up in the past decade. We can talk about the Novant Health Clinics from Michael, and it doesn't mean that he would stop doing that, but it would mean the Charlotte Hornets wouldn't be a part of that as much anymore. And you talk about the power, Doug, from one MJ, from one that is considered the GOAT, and even if you want to talk about LeBron being the GOAT, fine, but MJ still has as much power as anybody that's ever played within the association. And Bill Simmons also, going back to the podcast, when he was talking about Robert Sarver um, selling the team, you know, I think maybe it was a later episode once once we realized that he was going to sell it. But it, I, I think it was Bill. But discussing how the, the final card for the NBA to maybe force Robert Sarver out of the league was going to be for MJ to condemn him. You know, so we, we got yeah. the comments from LeBron. We got the call from Chris, uh, from Chris Paul. We got the comments from him who plays on the team, who also has authority within the league, who also said that the league's punishment wasn't enough. It wasn't just him condemning what Robert Sarver said. It was saying this punishment is not enough. There needs to be more for the owner in which you know runs this franchise that i play for and if that didn't work if at that point sarver didn't decide to sell his team then it was going to come down to mj i think that was going to be the last card that the nba played and uh he's got so much power that would have been damning you know for for phoenix and and to not have that would be unfortunate and also doug michael jordan is the on only black owner in the nba like mm -hmm. in a black league to have representation is important and for michael to sell it to uh, i i hope it wouldn't come down to him selling it to a, a a rich white billionaire that would think about moving the team out or that would not care as much about poverty stricken areas in the community that i that that's something that i care man and I, i've talked a lot about mj's change in philosophy as far as charity goes in the last decade because we we all know how well established the republicans buy sneakers two thing was in the last dance we were all reminded of that uh, just just seeing his change right donating i believe it was i, I get this number wrong i think it was a hundred million dollars to charities that benefit black america and it was the most it was the most money given to 
it, um, uh, they're donated by by one person or by an entity. I I would hate to be out on that. And plus, Spectrum Center being a voting place, right? Like they they're pushing this swarm the polls initiative. I, I just hope that if that comes out, I don't know if it's going to take place. But if Michael Jordan were to ever sell the team, I hope that the emphasis on charity, especially as it relates to social injustice, I, I really hope that that would still be a big emphasis for this franchise. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful sentiment, and I, I, I sure hope so too. But, but I think from a basketball fan perspective, I would hope that they would bring someone in that actually wants to transform this franchise. Uh, and, and is, I guess that's and, true and, too. <laughs> and is an active and is an activist owner. Like I want an activist no, yeah, owner. I, I want them. I want them activist off the court. I want them activist on the court too. And, and so maybe an ideal scenario for all parties would be for a big number to come out on the Phoenix thing for that to attract some some people to buy into the Hornets franchise. And maybe maybe Michael Jordan takes a step back and becomes you know, a part owner with someone who comes in and, tra and and wants to really invest in this team's success because I think that's what Hornets fans have been screaming this whole time. It's not just been about Mitch Kupchak not doing anything. It's about this whole organization seeming like they don't really want to invest what it's going to take. They don't want to pay the luxury tax. They don't want to really get involved in some of these free agency free-for-alls uh, because of the financial implications that it would take. But, you know, Hornets fans are doling out ticket a high higher and higher ticket costs and they want to see a product on the floor that it, it's not it, it shouldn't be about oh well lebron's coming to town oh well such and such is coming to yeah. town no it should be about like oh i go to i go to the game because i legitimate i'm gonna see a star in the middle of ball but i might see multiple stars like donovan mitchell or or and i, and I see a team that's legitimately going to win and i don't feel confident anymore that that's going to happen under the current ownership structure so so i you know i would hope that if they do bring in someone in the future that it is you know, obviously it's not going well with the Panthers and, and Tepper and that whole situation. <laughs> but I would say at least give me the chance. Give give the give the organization a chance for an owner to come in and change it up and, and get a fresh idea in there because this current idea has, has not gone well. The last thing I'll say about this is the fact that I, this season, this offseason clearly did not go well for the Hornets. This is clearly not what they envisioned at the beginning. There's just no way they can sell you on that. They, I, it didn't seem like they had a plan and I don't, you can't plan for something like Miles Bridges catching a, a felony domestic violence charge. You can't plan for that. You can react. You can have the intelligence to understand what to do if, Hey, this isn't going well, we got to have our plan B plan C and so on. Um, but because this season might go awry and we can talk about the Hornets compared to a Pistons team, compared to the Magic. You know, there are some analysts out there that think they might, well, one of those teams might finish above the Hornets because of the lack of talent. And hell, I mean, if they go down one guy, not even talking about LaMelo, right. then this, I mean, look at the roster. Like, this, this, this roster is paper thin. My point being, if this is a team that suffers so much where they are in the lottery I wonder if that kind of fast tracks, Michael. I, if if you're in the women Yama sweepstakes, then maybe it entices him to stay. I don't know. But if you get like the fifth overall pick and you don't catch the luck and you do finish in the lottery, I wonder if that kind of puts this on the fast track. Well, what we need to be watching for is this. I think this the organization really needs to make a clear call 
very early in this season about the direction this franchise is going to go. Is there enough here to make a run at the playoffs or is there not? And if there's not, then they need to get it. I mean, seeing what we're seeing out of Wibanyama and Scoot, they need to be in tank mode because if they if they ride this sort of middle ground, which they've been doing for several years now, developing players that aren't rotation ready. I mean, that's why they're in this situation. Like if one of Kai Jones, James Booknight, Mark Williams, or, or someone that they've been developing through their uh, G League through the Swarm were ready to be a rotation piece, then they would be a deeper team. We wouldn't be saying, well, you know, they're one or they're literally one or two major rotation injury injuries away from being one of the worst teams in the NBA. Yes, the Miles Bridges situation is absolutely part of that, but a, a, a big part of it has been the players that they brought in recently via the draft have not uh, have not gotten ready fast enough. Simply, um, and and so and they haven't been at the same time. Like if you're going to draft a bunch of projects that are going to take two, three, four seasons to develop and you still want to make the playoffs, then I think you have to be more active in free agency to bring in veterans. Like there are no veterans on this team. I had a dream last night that Mitch Kupchak did something. I just wanted to throw that in. I literally had a dream last night that, that Mitch brought in like a seasoned veteran with championship (laughs) experience. And I was like interviewing this person and I can't even remember the name of the player. It was not a play. It it had a name that such that like, it felt like an NBA player name, like, I, I don't even I, I'm trying to search my brain, my subconscious for what that player's name was. But did it was they a player, bring in a Marco Bellinelli, Doug. Is it wasn't it did? was well, it wasn't Mark but but it was of that level. Like it wasn't a star. But I was like, oh man, you know, this sh- is showing the commitment. This is showing the commitment because they're bringing in veterans and saying, all right, we're gonna fill this team with some actual legitimate NBA roster pieces. Uh, but unfortunately, I woke up, and that hasn't been the case in a few years. You know it's bad when you're dreaming about Bellinelli type of players. And I'll say this, too. Uh, rebuilds can take a long time in the NBA. If you already have LaMelo, and you just want to go ahead and say he's going to stick with this team, not assuming, but let's just say for this talk that he's sticking with this team, and you get one of those top two picks, that's <laughs> I mean, that's an excellent start. Lamelo and Victor, yeah. Lamelo and Scoot together, that that's as nice a beginning of a rebuild as you could possibly ask for. So yeah. there would be the hope if everything goes completely um, off the rails. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for joining us as always. Hopefully you guys have a great weekend. Also, make sure you catch Lockdown NBA. It's your daily um 30 minute update on everything that takes place within the association again you can catch it anywhere you get your podcast again have a great weekend and we'll be back with you on monday